Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Wrongs, meaning all of the things that we've been holding grudges about for 10 plus years. Today, I'll be discussing that one time in second grade when I got really pissed off by Timothy Ullenberg. He knows why. And Sarah, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm checking my notes. That's the wrong podcast. This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, and I'm here with my co host, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Mark. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you that we're not talking about our grudges today. Um, that's okay. We <laughs> we have plenty of time, plenty of other podcasts on which to do that. And in fact, we are in a way talking about wrongs today, specifically that at the time when InSync and the Backstreet Boys were fighting for supremacy in the boy band littered landscape, I bet Team Backstreet all the way because I was uninformed and an idiot. Uh, And part of it was because of this song, The Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. This is my selection. I, the story of why I selected this for this week is, dear listener, not all that interesting, except I think (laughs) we were just talking about how we hadn't talked about anything in this particular, like, Lou Pearlman adjacent late 90s lane like and... the Zumba record label people, exactly. Yeah, so so here we go. This is the only uh, product of any boy band that is not New Kids on the Block, shut up, that uh, I own. I don't own any Insync. I don't own any Justin Timberlake. I have nothing against them. I think You don't Joey... own any 98 Degrees? No, or LMNT, <laughs> or... I mean, there were literally a gazillion of them. I was into the Spice Girls. I went to a New Kids concert a few years ago. Hi, Tom Rogers. Uh, I bought the tote bag. I regret nothing. (laughs) But this whole thing, like, it's not like it escaped me that they existed. I just, like, I didn't feel, like, um, negatively towards them. It just wasn't really for me. Like, that whole... um, Oh, God, what the hell was the name of it? It was on T- uh, MTV. TRL? Yes. That whole, like, genre was kind of like, I don't know why. It's not like I wasn't home all day watching TV in that era, because that's my life. But I don't I don't know. It just went past me. Except somehow for this song, which is, like, in the platonic cave of cheesy boy band ballads uh power ballads this is the this is the one in the cave that from which all the others reflect uh, <laughs> everything by everything else is just a pale shadow on the wall this flickering is, on yes. the wall of our consciousness yes um i am sure that listeners will disagree with me but before we get into why they totally should why don't we listen to a little clip Tell me why
singing guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> sure. Oh, AJ. Sarah. I mean, the thing is, it, it's total product. We talk about this a lot on this podcast that, like, sometimes it's just product, like TM, assembly line, pop, output. And everything about this is that, and it is flawlessly done. The slow build to the over-singing, the quiet start that immediately dissolves into um, glory-noting histrionics. Yes. The implication of cannons being fired. Like, everything that comes right up to suggesting overt sexuality, but then doesn't so that 11-year-old's parents can feel okay about their children liking it. Even that, like, the drum pad that... It, like it's so it's fake it's like utterly ersatz it's not real drums but it still sounds expensive yes there's just something utterly like 1999 uh tw like twilight of mtv as a video concernness about this song that it's not objectively good i guess except that for what it's trying to do it like it hits every button it checks every box. For what it's trying to do, it's the best of what it's trying to do. Mark, tell me your feelings about this and other Matters boy band. I agree with you completely. I Your description of it looking expensive or sounding expensive, even though it's totally fake, made me think, for me, about those blankets that were really popular in the 90s that were kind of plush-feeling and you would put them underneath your primary blanket, but they were sort of the extra blanket, and they were kind of like velour. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, well, ones that were like super flammable. Yes. That looked like they were a heating blanket, but they weren't. Yes, those. Okay. Yes. The point being, those were completely made of synthetic materials, yet I still found them incredibly comforting. And there's mm -hmm. something about this song that just it just wraps around you so smooth. And you know it's fake, but it does not matter. And I think it's striking to note that this is really the song before Bye Bye Bye, which I think by NSYNC also really broke out and people decided that they could like it no matter who they were. But this is the first... <laughs> That's That should be the term. Like, instead of crossover hit, it's like, no matter who you are, you can like it. Yeah, totally. you're allowed to like Bye Bye Bye. You're allowed to like Baby One More Time. You're allowed to like beautiful by christina aguilera and you're allowed to like this song like they all had all of the biggies from that period had one song that you were allowed to like and this was absolutely the backstreet boy song that you're allowed to like and i can remember very clearly that rolling stone did one of its typical male chauvinist gays dominated rankings of the best songs of all time and of course, it was all like, meh, uh, John Lennon, meh, 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 Bob Dylan, blah, blah, blah. But then there at number 10 was this song. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, that's amazing. And I also remember, and I've looked it up, so I have the exact date for you. On September 13th of 2003, I went to Central Park and saw a performance by Mary Chapin Carpenter, Sean Colvin, Patty Griffin, and Dar Williams, all four performing together, which... 
I would go to that concert right now, honestly. Like, I, Me too. Y- yes. Get the car. Let's go. <laughs> like, how have we not talked about any of those four ladies on this show yet, by the way? I don't... Well, we've never talked about Brittany or Christina, have we? Except no, we the haven't. Christmas episode. And, oh, we have uh, so much left to do. You're right. Do. Except for Christina Aguilera's horrible Christmas song. But One, one song at a time. We're, we're going to get through them all. I remember very clearly that the, those four women sang a version of this, of I Want It That Way. And to me, that just was a really great uh, way to summarize how cross-cultural the song had become. And this is the song I feel that, along with Baby One More Time, cemented Max Martin in his like 20-year reign as the pop chieftain of the world. And I feel like that there's just something about making a song that is this easy to listen to that is actually incredibly hard. And you have to just nod your head and doff your cap to something that is this silky when you know how much time was spent to make it this way. That it can be so precise but feel so effortless is not easy. And Yeah, that... no, I agree. It, it did remind me, I had this in my notes, so I'm so glad that you brought that up. There's a quote that I refer to all the time um, from Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I forget where I read this, but he was talking about, it was some oral history of, I'm going to say the X-Files, because that's where he started out. And he said, even the shittiest TV show or movie was miserably hard to make. Mm. That was his phrasing. And I've always remembered that and tried to, I mean, I'm not afraid to drag any performance or show or song as listeners know and as readers of my work elsewhere know but as time has gone on I've become much more compassionate towards the process of creating these things and try to look at like like making art is time consuming and hard and when it doesn't turn out right that doesn't mean it wasn't hard to do right but when it does turn out right and when you almost can't it's not that you can't turn it over and see the seams or that it's like this you know deceptively simple perfect egg like you can actually see how uh i want it that way was built but it is a complex interlocking system of responses to emotional needs uh performance structure um key changes yeah almost subconscious things that are going on that it's like this also was miserably hard to make and it's like three odd minutes but it it turned out well and you have to respect even if you don't respect the backstreet boys or the genre that they came out of which i i think is actually a mistake i understand whatever, thinking the monkeys and new kids were pieces of shit, but I also think that they're not respected enough. Agreed. Under the Cirques. But when you look at the build of this and the fact that everybody had to do his or her part perfectly, and they all did, there's so many moving parts, and then the result is this, like, perfect, like, egg. I mean, like a knockoff Fabergé egg, because it's, you know, there's a lot of shit on it, but... It, this egg of a pop song like it worked and 
I wouldn't know where to begin to do that. And I right. have tried. I have tried to write country songs. They are stupid. It is shitty hard to do this. And they really did it. And if that's, if this was the only song that survived out of that era, no offense to Bye Bye Bye, which we should talk about sometime. But yeah, it's it's really amazing. Uh, I don't think I knew this was Max Martin, but I should have because it always was at that time. Well, and honestly, it's a, is it a pop song that makes the pleasure centers in your brain light up? Max Martin is probably somewhere in the background twiddling a knob. Yeah, that sounded gross, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not talking about Do Luke I? Pearlman twiddling a knob. That's a completely oh! different. That's a completely different piece. thing. Not really. He can rot. Um, do you have any like contextual chart facts? Oh yes, I do. On this one, did this actually hit number one? I don't. No, remember. and that is an interesting quirk of the charts at this time because this was an era when songs were able to chart based solely on their airplay, even if they were not digitally available. I'm sorry, available for physical purchase. There was no digital singles chart in the late '90s because there were no digital songs yet, except for Napster, but you couldn't buy those. Point being, I think I actually got this song off of. Lime wire. Yep. <laughs> Kazaa. Right. Something like that. <laughs> Kazaa. <laughs> oh boy. But uh, ask your parents. Exactly. And they'll 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 swear that the attorney general insisted that they never talk about it again. But exactly. So at the time, songs <laughs> could chart solely based on airplay. But if they were not available for physical purchase as singles, they struggled to go all the way to the top but at the same time the record industry philosophy was if you only make these songs available on the radio and they still get the prestige of high chart placements then it forces the consumer to buy the full album and the conventional wisdom is that this greed and insistence upon the purchase of the full album actually opened the door for the napster driven pirating uh melee that decimated record sales and has permanently decimated them and now we stream everything Uh Uh, but at the time i want it that way was a prime example because the album millennium that this song is on is one of the few albums to sell a million copies in a week it was a massive hit and this song was definitely leading the charge and therefore it only peaked at number six on the hot 100 but it is huh. absolutely a number one hit. I mean, this is the song that drove 10 million people to buy an album. Uh, I know there were other singles on this album, but please, let's not front. So I feel that that is... I don't think is... I can even name another Backstreet single. Uh, oh, okay. There's uh, the really gloppy Richard Marks one, uh, Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely. Oh, no. Richard Marks wrote one of the NSYNC songs. But Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely is one of theirs. They had a terrible song called Everybody Backstreet's Back. Right, of course. I think I thought that was a um, the album, I mean, Backstreet's ba- Back. But they were dressed – I just remember that Nick Carter was dressed like a mummy in the video. Like they were all dressed like weird monsters. There was a wolf man. Anyway. But one thing I also <laughs> want to add is that I – have so much more respect for the Backstreet Boys because a few years ago for Previously.TV, I reviewed a documentary film about them. And they're one of the rare boy bands that has never broken up. They have never had a member try to go off and start a solo career. The five of them have really stayed together as a quintet for their entire, at this point, multi-decade career. And 
there's a lot of stuff in the film that makes me respect them as musicians. And they are totally upfront about the fact that they can write and record and sing their music. And they have lots of intentional shots of them playing guitars and writing songs and showing us that they're real musicians. But they're upfront about the fact that the way that they got to succeed was by creating something that was meant to be pleasing but not challenging. And that that means that they lost a certain amount of credibility. And they, the underlying point is, if you're going to work in any genre, just try to be the best that you can be so that the inevitable people who are predisposed to hate your genre will at least have to give respect to you. And I feel like that, going back to what you were saying before, this is a perfect example of that. Any genre has the potential to be good. So the, the bad things of any genre are terrible, but the good things can be great if we just open ourselves up to them. Well, and just don't expect, you know, if you're someone who likes uh, Ray Montaigne or Bob Dylan, then, you know, the Backstreet Boys are not that. So if you judge them by that metric, you're going to be disappointed. It reminds me of like a few years ago when Megan Fox was literally in everything and people are like, she's such a fucking terrible actor and she only got hired for her butt. And it was like, well, all right, first of all, she... It's a great butt. Like, look at it. I don't go that way, but I consider it. Second of all, she's in the fucking Transformers. Right. You, you don't need to send Streep up to the plate for that shit. And third of all, she, for that, she's actually fine. Like, and we've all seen so much worse. And she gets way more shit because she's a woman, in my opinion. Like, let's not... But it's just unfair to her and the genre to expect her to like bring some Nicole Kidman quiet New Zealand indie drama shit to the table when well, and I don't the, see anybody kind of an evening. I don't see anybody coming for Vin Diesel who is also just cast to be a complete whatever. And you know yeah, what? I would exactly. rather Megan Fox who at least at least Megan Fox is not going the Shia LaBeouf route to speak of her Transformers co-star and he's trying to prove how deep and cool he is by making these insufferable performance art projects. No, child sit down yeah exactly but and that's kind of what i that's kind of what i mean that especially and i feel like nsync got more like artistic and creative cred possibly like applied retrospectively via timberlake mm -hmm. than backstreet ever got which you know it is what it is but it, that brings us back to like you know it's it's boy band pop right but they're like they're doing the best possible boy band pop, so you don't have to listen to it or like that genre, but don't judge it on like, well, it's not Mozart, like, I don't know. <laughs> nor was I it like, intended to be. I feel like Mozart actually would have had a better sense of the fact that it was the best of what it was trying to do. So, anyway. <laughs> oh my God, now I'm imagining Mozart liking this song. Well, you know, and I think that um, Justin Timberlake ended up being a co-writer on a lot of those later NSYNC songs that went into the harder-edged, more urban R&B dance sound. And right. the Backstreet Boys stayed in the mellow adult contemporary place. And, you know, they stopped being cool and NSYNC became cool. But in retrospect now, we can see that the Backstreet Boys still had something for us. Oh, and before I forget, I'd like to bring up the question of the lyrics of this song. Okay. 
Because in my reading, and I've actually heard this before, there's a lot of people who say that the lyrics of this song don't make any sense and that that's just part of the fun. But I would just like to state for the record that the lyrics of this song do make sense if you just pay attention to them. Because there are two people saying, I want it that way in the song. There's the male narrator who is saying, you are my fire, the one desire. I want it that way. But then he's also talking about how his girlfriend is saying, you are telling me that you when you say I want it that way you're saying two worlds apart can't reach your heart the point of the song is we both want different things and it's not that confusing if you just pay attention therefore please put on your dramaturgical glasses and look more closely it's actually pretty interesting I Sarah that is it for me <laughs> okay great I did not realize that there was um confusion oh on that the- point I thought it was fairly clear that it was like a story of two people who are very much in love, but they just can't make it work. Sometimes the shit's like that. Well, Sarah, not only is there not, not only is it, I think you'll understand what I mean when I say this. It's not that there's confusion. It's now that there is a certain type of internet person who has decided to demonstrate their, their cool hip insight by jokingly discussing how the lyrics of this song don't make any sense and it's a way of trying to make themselves seem smart by liking but also hating this song but it's that intellectual posturing of trying to justify how someone as smart as me could like a song this bad and the way that i'm going to prove that i'm still intelligent is deconstructing it and proving to you that it's really stupid but actually you're just making yourself seem stupid the joke's on you the song does make sense and your insecurity and your need to make yourself seem really smart is actually making you make terrible arguments done well, and yeah, because rock and pop music have such a long and storied history, both of them, of um, clear, easy to follow lyrics that make sense and are grammatically sound. <laughs> yeah, Jim. Do what did he did he um did he do? I seriously, who put the bop in the bop shabop? Just shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> Oh, I think basically what the Backstreet Boys have reminded us again is don't front. It's you're not you're not a stupid person if you like things that are that are well made and make you feel good. That doesn't make you any less smart. And even if the lyrics didn't make sense, that's okay. Like they've never made sense. It's called pop music. That's not yeah. what is totally happening here. They're you know, it's not yay. Louie Louie is that. a great song. It doesn't make any damn sense. Ex- fine, exactly. Who let the dogs out? We all did. Great. The Venga boys are coming. Oh, my God. (laughs) What disgusting, unclean fold of my brain did that come from? (laughs) The Venga boys. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now I'm thinking about that six. You guys, before we get trapped in that old Six Flags ad, I think we should probably call this one. This episode is taking us to a dark place. (laughs) It really is. No, if you'll excuse me, I have to check my Coke can to see if I can get into Great Adventure for free this summer. (laughs) Talk to you next week. and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Today's theme song was written by Andrew Byrne, whom I have on good authority is very cute. If you would like to place an ad, request a song, or arrange for a pop chart birthday reading by Mark, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, 
tweet at us at TalkSongs or hit up our Facebook page at facebook.com slash mastass.podcast. And if you like the podcast, let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes or the podcast download interface of your choice. And please download the music you hear legally. Until next time, this is Mark. And this is Sarah. And, and this, this is Mark, Mark and Sarah talk, talk about, about songs. <laughs> <laughs> talk to you next week i promise i'm not gonna pass out something about that coke can joke just sent me over the edge oh boy welcome to the outtakes ladies and germs and we're out thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.